Strategist Cowboy West Mallet is a Trappist Ale which is brewed in the Abbey of Our Lady of the Sacred Heart of West Mallet, but in Flemish, outside of Antwerpen in northern Belgium. The monastery was founded in 1794 and since 1836 it belongs to the Trappist order. In 1856 the monks began selling some beers at the gates of the monastery in, and due to increased demand the brewery first expanded in 1865 and then again in 1897. But it was not until 1921 that they decided to brew beer for general sale and they have done so ever since. Today's brewery is one of the largest among the 12 monasteries currently licensed to brew Trappist beer. West Mallet's beer sortiment are West Mallet Double, a dark colored ale, and West Mallet Triple, which is more of a light colored ale. Today I will try West Mallet Double and set it up against another Belgian ale of another brand. I'll get back to that. The dark color on double does not come from dark malt, which gives color to ports and stout, but mostly from brown candy sugar. The beer sort is re-fermented in the bottle. There is also Westmaler Extra, but if you are not a monk in this particular monastery, you cannot have it. West Mallet Dubel on drought is available in limited edition at approximately 300 selected restaurants and pubs around the world. Exclusive. West Mallet Dubel, i.e. double, has got a 7% ABV. It is bottled in 33 centimeter bottles, i.e. about 11 liquid ounces, but is also available in 75 centimeter bottles, i.e. about 25 liquid ounces. The beer matures in, different, in a different way in a larger bottle to produce a noticeably milder finish. It is a very expensive ale. An 11 liquid ounces bottle costs 3 US dollars. The beer's ingredients are water, barley malt, sugar, hops and yeast. It contains barley. It is said to be best served at a temperature of 12 to 14 degrees Celsius i.e. about 53 to 57 degrees Fahrenheit. It goes well together with dark meat. How about the experience?
Well, I can tell you one thing. It's got a very large head. It's the mo most the most of the glass is head right now. I have only poured up a little bit. I have to move my hand down to see my, if I can see my fingers through the glass. But I can't. It's very dark. Black almost. Or it is. The aroma is yeasty. Okay. So um, I'm going to try to pour up some more. It's impossible almost. Not almost, it is impossible. The large, the damn head is <laughs> gigantic. But it's okay, I, I like uh, th these surprises. It's a good uh, beer, I I've tried it a little bit. One moment, I'm gonna let it uh, diminish here. Uh, the foam or at least uh, fade away well now it's got a full body and a rich taste this is a very good beer I must say uh, one of the best I ever tried and it's a little bit yeasty but that's the part of the sensation with Belgian beers. They had that as a gimmick or, or uh, something they do purposely. It's a little bit sweet, yes. It's uh, got uh, taste of orange peels. And some spices, I think. But I don't know what spices. I, I'm not very good at spices. But it's uh, some spices. It's not very bitter. It's got a, a strong uh, ABV, 7% as I may have said before, 7% ABV. It's not candy-like. And on your palate, you can sh surely taste the high ABV. And it's fruity in a way. They really didn't uh, starve this beer on um, orange peel uh, uh, flavoring. Okay. Carbonation level. 
I wouldn't say that it's particularly high. It's uh, pretty low. I'm gonna pour up some more. Oh, shit, man. Big head, large head. But it's not uh, particularly creamy. It's not a stout, so... It's uh, not acidic. And there are no aberrations. Let's see what aftertaste it has got. I'm gonna give it some... I'm gonna drink this beer up and then I'm gonna give it some time to work on my uh, taste buds. Actually, it, it is as creamy as a tra Trappist ale can be, but... Uh, and it's very dark, dark in its color. Rich and uh, it's a complex taste. Complex flavors. Yet not. If it is candy-like, like some people say, it's some sort of marshmallows-like taste. People want to add in uh, that there's chocolate in it, but I, I don't think... Uh, I don't I don't think you can taste chocolate in this beer Really not think so But um, Well I wouldn't say if I must choose Between saying that there is candy like in it or not candy like it in it I say I'd say that it's it's not candy like, but it's a strong beer. Oh, I can feel it uh, in my head. Seven percent is a strong beer in my view. Now that I have drunk uh, the beer, I'd say that um, it's got a banana taste. Banana aftertaste. I think so, yes. Ripe banana. I've seen it on the internet. They um, accredit this beer with ripe banana. And uh, often you can use that taste or flavor to describe beers. And I, I really think you can do that with this Westmander Trappist dub double. What about grading then? Well, I'm not going to um, lie. I think I will give it 10 devils out of 10 possible because this is a really good beer. And it's a Trappist beer. So it's not surprising. They should be that good. So uh, 10 devils out of 10 possible.
this is one of my new um, favorite beers West Miley Trappist Double. I think that is it is even better than Chimay if it can be so it's a stronger 10 Chimay I gave Chimay a 10 but this is even a better beer so I have new reference uh, frames very good beer I can recommend it to anybody who likes beers West Mallet Trappist Double buy it buy it now buy it now because it's a very good beer if it is uh, out of stock at your local uh, liquor store tell them to buy them so that you can buy them in your turn it may cost you some money but it's worth it it's well worth it i can tell you that but since it's brewed in a trappist monastery you cannot not just license out the brewing to another brewery so uh, if you're an american and you want to buy a european belgian beer then you will probably have to pay up to five dollars for one beer but if you're only going to drink one or two beers i'd say go for it for sure so um, good luck with that you may have noticed that i've changed the jingle to my channel it cost me practically nothing and it's done it's made exclusively for me so i'm very happy with that i didn't really like the, the former one uh it was not a good jingle it could be misinterpreted so to speak anyway uh, our next contestant is another belgian ale called Gouden Carolis Hopsinjur from Brewery Het Anker. Brewery Anker in English is one of the oldest functioning brewers in Belgium. This is not a Trappist brewery, and Gouden Carolis Hopsinjur is not a Trappist beer. It has got five different kinds of hop, thereof the latter part of the beer's name. The first part of the name means Golden Karl, after a statue of some dude in the city of Mechelen between Antwerp and Brussels in Flanders, Belgium. This beer is also re-fermented in the bottle. It has got an 8% ABV. Why does some say that it is an IPA? The ingredients are water, barley, wheat, sugar and hops. It comes in a 33 centiliter, i.e. about 11 liquid ounces bottle. The beer costs about $2.90, so it is not cheap. But if you have no other hobby, then exclusive beer is certainly cheap in moderation like two beers a week on the weekends. It amounts to about 20 US dollars a month for eight good beers. 
Quoten, quoten, quoten Carolus Hobsinger, whatever, is said by the brewery to best be served at 5 to 7 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 41 to 45 degrees Fahrenheit. But Systembolaget claims their standard temperature of 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. I trust the brewery. How about the experience? The color is uh, very fair, but it's very uh, feculent. I can't see my fingers through the glass. Only slight shadows of them. And it's got a large head, not as large as the former beer, but uh, still. There's a large head, about half of the beer, when I poured up, up uh, the beer. Half of the glass. Okay, uh, the aroma. Definitely lemon peel. It's got a lemon peel aroma and the taste is uh, also lemon peel. It's a rich beer. A little bit yeasty and it's got a lemon taste on your palate for sure it's not sweet it's a little bit um, I get back to that the bitterness it's not bitter I don't think so it's uh, not uh, candy like, well, no, it's more fruitiness of it, Fruit, fruity.
This is a very fruiting beer. Are there any spices in it? I think it tastes lemon. The undertone is lemon. And the carbonation level is... Uh, not very strong or noticeable. Of course, it's not creamy. It's it's uh, sour, very sour. It's sour. It's lemons, uh, lemon-like. It's like if they have pressed a lemon inside the beer or over the beer, and they packeted it and sold it, bottled it and sold it. really is but it's not acidic it's it's sour are there any aberrations I don't know perhaps there is some Now that I've tried it for a while, I'd say that it's a little bit bitter also, a little bit bitter. But mostly sour, uh, lemon-like. It's just, a, it's, it's not just lemon peels. <coughs> Excuse me. It's also like if there's lemon juice in it. Mm. And the aftertaste is uh, I'll get back to that. The aberration is I think pine tar. I know that um, many brewers doesn't consider that an aberration, but it they included in their taste of the of the beer but I don't agree I think that uh, it's an aberration definitely that's an aberration it's not a bad beer not at all but the aftertaste let's get back to that I have Google translated it. It's not pine tar. It's pine resin. It's uh, called pine resin, and that's the taste of it, the the aberration. Thanks God. Thank God for Google Translate. There are some um, spices, but again, I don't know what spices they have in it it's very difficult to uh, to uh, ascertain what spices they have in beers there there could be many of it of them and uh, 
It's difficult to distinguish between between them. After all, it's a beer, not a dish. Okay, what about grading then? I'd say that uh, I would give this beer because I don't particularly enjoy the very lemon lemon juice taste of the beer so I I give it uh, well uh, I give it seven devils out of ten possible it's not that it's a poorly manufactured beer I'm, I'm sure it, it is not uh, but uh, I just don't like this very 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 sour beer kind of uh, very much even though it's a quality beer okay absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines military or civilian drink responsibly or not at all don't drink at all if you are underage or pregnant this week's lesson enemy cruise missiles the difference between a glide bomb gbu and a cruise missile is partly the price tag partly the range and also glide bombs in general lack propulsion systems hence the name however some gbus have rocket boosters in addition glide bombs are always delivered from an aircraft or an UUCAV, i.e. an unmanned combat aerial vehicle, while, cruise missile, while a cruise missile may as well be fired from naval surface ships and submarines or from land. Cruise missiles are usually equipped with turbojet engines. Ordinary cruise missiles fly at an altitude of 25 to 50 meters i.e. 82 to 164 feet at a speed of 250 to 300 meters per second that is 270 to 330 yards per second it has a radar target area of only 0.1 square meters in a forward sector there are also very stealthy cruise missiles with a radar target area of just 0.001 square meters in a forward sector. Then there are cruise missiles with supersonic speed, flying at high altitudes with an approaching speed of Mach 3 to Mach 4 at 20,000 meters altitude. You always measure an aircraft's altitude in meters. Deal with it. These cruise missiles dive towards their target in Mach 2 to Mach 3 for kinetic energy, i.e. its energy at the impact. Supersonic cruise missiles are used for very hardened targets 
and for surface ships. It has a target finder for the final phase of the cruise missile in order to strike at moving targets. Ballistic missiles are defined by being unsteered for most of its course and they are following a ballistic trajectory. They are fired from long distances, more than 300 kilometers, i.e. 186 miles. A ballistic projectile usually has part of its trajectory outside the troposphere and it has a high impact velocity, 2000 to 6000 meters per second i.e. 2,187 to 6,560 yards per second. Sometimes they may have a controlling phase at the end to correct its course. But if an enemy knows where your radar is located, then you have to, to be able to counteract their cruise missiles at high and medium altitudes and counteract cruise missiles at extremely low altitude in order for an attacker not to exploit gaps in your defense system. If you can only handle cruise missiles at low altitude, the assailant will utilize high altitude for both attack aircraft and cruise missiles. And if we only can handle high altitude targets, the assailant will utilize cruise missiles at low altitude. With sufficient standoff distances for enemy aircraft, our air defense can be wiped away or be forced to use missiles in self-defense. In addition, the deployment of air defense missiles is itself a factor that affects an assailant's choice of target. Some civilian primary targets could also be protected, but you will have to prior prioritize and then most of the civil society's protective objects will have to stand back for the air defense protection of military targets. The source for this one is FOIS supporting report former air defense against mainly cruise missiles from, from 2001. Yeah, they know what they're talking about at FOIA. Thank you. Oh, thank you.